Good morning and welcome to Spirit Mornings here on Spirit Catholic Radio, KVSS. We are Catholic Radio for the Christian community. Again, you've tuned into Spirit Mornings. I'm Bruce McGregor. She is. Chris McGregor. And Chris, it's a real treat to have back with us again, Kimberly Hahn. Kimberly is the author of Chosen and Cherished, Biblical Wisdom for Your Marriage, Life-Giving Love, Embracing God's Beautiful Design for Marriage, and co-author with her husband, you might recognize his name, Dr. Scott Hahn, of Rome Sweet Home, Our Journey to Catholicism. And Kimberly, of course, the mother of six, a frequent conference speaker on topics related to marriage and family life. And since we've spoken to her last, Kimberly has now added the title of grandmother to her moniker as well. <laughs> yeah, I've had a promotion. <laughs> there you go. You've had a promotion. And Kimberly joins us today to talk about graced and gifted biblical wisdom for the homemaker's heart. Kimberly, again, a real treat to have you back with us. We love our time here. Thank you so much, both Bruce and Chris. It's great to be with you. And I know our audience is excited, Kimberly, because every time we've had you on, I can't tell you how the phones ring off the hook and the emails come in from women all over, and not, and I dare I say it, many men who want to get their hands on what you have written and are offering, because there is nothing out there, I don't think personally, that speaks to the heart like the Life Nurturing Love series that you're uh, putting forward as a Bible study. So thank you. Oh, Thank you so much. It's really a joy to get to share it. It, it really is. It's so on my heart, and uh, I'm, I'm glad it communicates heart-to-heart to others. Oh, I think it does. Now, the first set of six that's a part of this 24-part Bible study right. is Chosen and Cherished, which we've talked about before and I love, and the spine of my bro- book is so broken <laughs> right now. I, I dare I had to go out and buy a new one to pass on to people. But Aww. that one primarily focuses on uh, the core relationship in the family and marriage. Yes. Now, what does the new one do? Okay, the new one is really focused on all of the many tasks that that make up homemaking. And the interesting thing is, it's not primarily about the tasks, even though that's how uh, we frame the Bible study, but at the core of homemaking, it's relationships. Mm-hmm. And so, fundamentally, my task is not the cooking, the cleaning, the organizing. It is really loving my spouse, my children, and ultimately the Lord. But many of the ways in which we that love comes down to food preparation and, you know, caring for their clothes and um, managing our time so that we're together, uh, having them welcomed back into a home that is a place of beauty and safety and refuge. And um, so I find that an interesting interplay. When I ask my mother, who's just an amazing homemaker, Mm-hmm. You know, what what do you think, Mom, is the key? And I kept thinking that she was going to recommend one book or one set of tapes or something, and she just said, relationships. As soon as she said it, it was like, yes, that totally rings true, because it's possible to plug a woman into that task of homemaking, um, you know, to just clean or cook or whatever, and there's ne- not necessarily a relationship with everyone else in the house. Mm-hmm. But our homemaking really comes from our heart for God and for our spouse and for our children, and our desire to deepen that relationship by um, meeting a variety of their deepest needs. You know, the thing that I love so much about Grace and Gifted is that it really is about creating a home. Uh, And I think in a home, that's where relationships are found. Yes, yes. Um, There needs to be 
a, a sense of a welcome, gathering place. Um, as my mom said, you know, I, I welcome you back from the storms of life. And it, it's not that every, uh, you know, there can't be any disorder in any way, but, but we are. We're, we're looking for ways to bring order, um, to, to communicate the sense of peace um, and beauty, really, that, that a home then really welcomes them back to. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're going to be a Proverbs 31 woman, and that's what you all are going to become, especially if you enter into this series, it is so important to begin with prayer. And I think that's why the, the, the first section in Grace and Gifted, I think, really sets our priorities, because you you do acknowledge the work of uh, Holly Perlow, who we've had on before, and the importance of creating a rule. But before you begin anywhere in uh, preparing your home, you have to begin with prayer, don't you? Right, because that's what centers us. And we aren't schedule-driven, but we're, we're uh, compelled by the, the priorities we believe God has placed on our heart for that day. Now, the schedule can end up being similar, mm-hmm. regardless of how you approach it, but the approach changes everything. Instead of me feeling like I've got to do this and this and this, and then I've got to do the carpool, and then I have to, it's for you, Jesus, I'm going to do the laundry, and then for you, Jesus, I'm going to go do some grocery. And then for you, Jesus, I'm going to go do this carpool. And it transforms our attitudes, um, which ends up transforming the actions themselves because then they're expressions of our love for Christ and our love for our family. And it really is what rescues us from that sense of, I'm just the unpaid maid of the house, you know, Mm -hmm. or whatever Mm -hmm. can send us into the doldrums when we realize that so much of our work, for instance, is repetitive. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's new every day because we're doing it for Christ every day. I do think that Holly's framework has been very helpful to me. And if I could just run through it real quickly. Sure. Um, what I found, uh, and I don't know if people can picture this, but I, I found it helpful to have concentric circles coming out for the first four. And that is prayer at the very core because Christ has to be at the center. And then almost picture like wedding bands that overlap, after prayer comes person, Mm -hmm. because I have to know who I am in Christ. Uh, My husband is not what defines me. The Lord is the one who gives, at the root, gives me my sense of of value. And then secondarily, then, is that relationship with my partner, my husband. The next layer out is my relationship to my children as parents. And then come all of the tasks of homemaking under the title provider. And I think it was wonderful that the priest who spoke to Holly Perlow used a P for each of those words because it, it becomes easier for me to sort of review throughout the day, okay, what priority am I working on? So prayer, then person, then partner, then parent, then provider. But my comment to Holly was, if you don't address all the other priorities, Mm-hmm. then for some women, they can utterly dominate, and for others, they won't get to things that are very important. So I added an element, and instead of a concentric circle, this is more like the rings of Saturn that go the opposite direction. They are peripheral, okay? They're peripheral, but they're real. First of all, extended family. 
Mm-hmm. Time with your parents, or if you have married children, time with your married children and their children. That's not in that core of, of relationships, but it is uh, something that has to be factored in. How, how do we spend time together? Secondarily, parish involvement. Third, politics. It does play a role. It mm-hmm. can't dominate, but it does need to be a concern. And then finally, proclaiming, proclaiming the good news. Um, do we have a passion for evangelization and for world missions? And, and to what extent are we involved? Now, depending on where we are in our state of life, we may not be able to, to do the maximum on every one of these priorities. It will change day to day. And for a mother with young children, it could be the most that she could do in terms of evangelization and mission is just teach her children to pray for various countries of the world or for concerns. Right. You know, she may not have the money to send uh, to a mission society. She may not be able to go on a mission trip with her family because of how small her children are. But even lifting their, her children's hearts out of concern for praying for these countries is doing something for mission. And I, what I try to do throughout the book is point out um, at various levels what's possible for you to, to um, follow through on these, on these commitments. And it will alter depending on your season of life. That's right. Yeah, exactly. You're listening to Spirit Mornings here at Spirit Catholic Radio on KVSS with Bruce and Chris McGregor. Here with us today, Kimberly Hahn. We're talking about graced and gifted biblical wisdom for the homemaker's heart. Kimberly, I, I think it's so important that first section where you kind of help us to be able to prioritize how we get ourselves centered, the lens that we put on our, our, on our eyes so that we can focus out on what's important. But then you really give us practical tips on how to create that home and how to be that servant for Christ to our families and to the world, really. And in that first part, I think this is a great title for a book, don't you? Ordinary Work, Extraordinary Grace. Yes. (laughs) My husband used that on one of his books, and I just thought, oh, I wish I had thought of that first. That was just a brilliant title. (laughs) That's right. That's the thing the Hans never have a problem with, great titles for books. But... um, (laughs) But this particular section is indicative of all the other parts of the book where, again, this is ultimately a 24-part Bible study based on Proverbs 31. And what you've done is not only do you do the study on this, but you also provide how we can integrate it into the Catholic sacraments. Yes. And that was such a gift as I was working on this that I began to see specific parallels. And so, um, now there's seven sacraments, obviously, but um, in the Catechism, it actually refers to the two sacraments of consecration, priesthood and marriage. So it really did fit to combine those two into one, and in looking at each of six different areas of homemaking, there was a parallel with one of the sacraments. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not that, you know, clothing equals baptism, but we are clothed in Christ. Mm-hmm. And that fit with the clothing chapter. And and just to be able to draw a few practical insights or parallels between ordinary work uh, that we do day in, day out, and the extraordinary work of God in our lives through the sacraments, I just thought was a real gift. And it, it's, it's, um, it's really been a blessing to me to see those parallels and then point out little things to my children uh, to help them understand. Uh, yeah. 
So yeah. I really enjoyed getting to draw that out. Well, another thing, too, that for many Catholic women in particular, and I don't doubt all Christian women, but that concept of stewardship, as you point out in the, even in that first section, that Proverbs 31 woman is a stewardship of the woman's faith. And that work is uh, very important, that physical work ennobles us. It's okay to do the work that we have to accomplish. Yes. There's nothing degrading about doing, you know, scrubbing the toilets and washing the the walls and and doing the gardening. Um, Over and over, the Proverbs 31 woman has her hands in the middle of it. There must be three or four different references of her hands do this, her hands do that, and so it's it's the personal involvement, and I think that's where it um, opens up wonderful opportunities to teach our children as they work alongside us, and I especially found this in gardening. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can't skip steps when you're growing something, um, like we sometimes can try to do in our parenting or even in our spiritual life. You know, if you plant the seed, you have to wait, you have to water it, and then and then it's just going to be a sprout. And, it, you know, mm-hmm. you can't rush it. You can't skip a step. Well, I want to pick fruit tomorrow, and there's no vine growing yet. You have to wait until there's a vine, and then you're going to get the fruit. And so it, it, there have been beautiful examples of talking to our children and saying, you're really not mature enough yet to do X or, or Y, mm-hmm. but you will be, and you just need to be patient. You need to grow more physically or you need to grow more spiritually, just like this plant, you know, or we can talk about confession. Mm-hmm. And there are, lots, there are lots of great examples of talking about sin and confession in gardening, um, because if you don't get to the root of the weed, you could end up having to, to go back through and, and hoe that part of the garden over and over and over again, like we have to get to the roots of the sins in our lives and not just um, simply confess the sin over and over, but what's the root, and how do we get to the root so that we can really change and, and be fruitful? That's the beauty of this study, Kimberly, I think, <laughs> is that it really lifts up the value of the hidden life. Mm-hmm. Again, for many women, Mary is that example of the value of just the everyday living and doing it well. Yes. I, and It's interesting when you think that, you know, Jesus gave three years to his disciples and the world in ministry, Mm -hmm. gave his mother 30, Mm -hmm. 30 years that he valued and treasured that time with her, and, and I'm sure she with him. And it's amazing that that was meaningful and fruitful and beautiful, and why shouldn't we want to, to imitate that? You know, to, right. uh, I'm not talking about how many years it takes, but um, as you said, to have that hidden life, it's been a wonderful thing for me to really ponder, um, because you do so many things in your home that go by unnoticed, you know, mm-hmm. or maybe your children get old enough that they begin to notice it or your spouse points it out, but for the most part, the world doesn't know all those things you do, and yet they have great meaning uh, because it, it's like, you know, Blessed Mother Teresa of Calcutta, it's, it's doing little things with great love. And certainly St. Therese of Lisieux over and over again talks mm-hmm. about that and, and others, other saints. Um, that heart for God lived out in the smallest ways. I wanted to just highlight one illustration if I could. Sure. 
Um, and it just came up in conversation yesterday with a friend. Um, one day I was just doing one of those typical things, which was laundering, you know, yet again. And um, I was carrying up a load of laundry, and there was a shirt near the top that caught my eye. And I realized that it was a little health tech shirt. Every once in a while, I think I should just write a thank you to this company. (laughs) Um, Because I realized that my oldest son, Michael, had worn the shirt, and Gabriel had worn the shirt. It was a little too boyish for Hannah, but Jeremiah had worn the shirt, and now Joseph was wearing it. And and the first thought that hit me was, uh, how many times have I washed this shirt? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm going to carry this upstairs, and Joseph's going to wear it again, and I He's going to throw it down the laundry chute, and I'm going to carry it up again next week. And all of a sudden, this load of laundry got so heavy, I I just felt like I couldn't even carry it. I I stopped in the middle of my tracks (laughs) on the stairs, and I just said out loud, God, what am I doing? I am doing the same thing over and over and over. What is changing, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just felt like the Lord spoke to my heart. And he said, do you see how many children you have loved how many times through one little shirt? Mm -hmm. Wow. Beautiful. And it transformed. I mean, I almost danced up the stairs because I realized what a privilege I had in in something so ordinary. And yet I can love my little ones by washing their clothes and covering them up and and caring for them in that way. And uh, and it was just such a blessing, and I think that that's what God wants to do with the ordinary work of homemaking, is give us a different vision of it. Give us a different view of it. Uh, Just one other small illustration, because I asked my mother, I just hated ironing. I was like, Mom, how do you redeem ironing? Mm -hmm. And she just looked at me, and she said, Honey, I pray for the person I'm ironing for, and that when they wear that pair of slacks or that shirt, they will go where God wants them to go, and they will honor Him. And and it was like, it just completely transformed ironing for me. Wow. You know, what a beautiful thought, that here you're, you're kind of covering the garment with prayer before they even put it on. Okay, Bruce, I'm no. going to use that attitude now. It'll make it all better. <laughs> <laughs> But honey, I, the crinkle look is in. I like. No, no, no. <laughs> well, uh, Kimberly, I'm going to take a moment here as the guy and kind of uh, storm the kitchen of the Proverbs 31 woman here. Okay. And uh, yeah, in our household, uh, admittedly, and, and I love it. I, my mother got me involved in cooking when I was probably in seventh or eighth grade because we had nine miles to feed. And quite honestly, she needed help, and I was the oldest one around. Yeah. But you know, the the thing that it really in, impresses me and, and kind of caught my attention here is just the number of distractions and things there are out there that are really preventing families from sitting down and sharing meals. Yes. Yes. In fact, you know, the idea of a family meal uh, for many people is nothing more than just a sort of hope. Um, and it might happen once a week, not once a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I spoke with one woman when I presented this Bible study. She came up literally in tears, and she said, I've been married 10 years. I have four children, and my husband works a swing shift, so he's never home at dinner time." She said, I go through McDonald's drive through every night. Wow. Every night. She said, the other, the other week, I thought I'd do something different, and we brought it home, 
And she said, I, because I also speak in the book about setting the table and, and, you know, even having that be part of what welcomes people back in. And she said, I thought about doing dishes. And she said, I realize I'm the only one who knows how to do dishes. And so I'd get stuck with all that. So she said, we just ate on paper plates and threw it away afterwards. And she said, I am taking this thought home. And if I don't take anything else from this, our family will never be the same because I am going to set the table. I'm going to teach my children to do dishes, and whether or not my husband can be there, we are going to have a dinner at our table. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just blessed me so much that that the Lord had spoken to her heart about what was possible. You point out in that whole section that healing can happen in the dining room. Oh, yeah. Yes, and there are proverbs that talk about it's not the expensive uh, foods. It's not about how much money you put into it, because even a small morsel with love um, brings healing to the bones and refreshment to the spirit. Mm. Um, We can direct the conversation. One of the things that my parents picked up on from someone when I was in junior high school was this idea of sharing a good thing at the dinner table. And they realized that with two daughters who were very, very talkative and a very shy, quiet son, many meals went by with him saying practically nothing. Mm-hmm. By having to focus on a good thing, everyone had to share, everyone had to listen, even little ones got to talk and be listened to, and it changed the focus because there isn't very much time in a, in a whole dinner if everyone's sharing a good thing to have it it, it, it kept the focus positive. So mm-hmm. instead of people coming to the dinner table and dumping all the bad things about their day, it helped them find something good. And all of my siblings have taken this into their families and, and have shared, uh, have sharing of good things. In our family, we added a little bit, uh, something special. On Sundays, we share our good thing of the week, and we write it down. Um, so for the past, I think, seven years now, we've been writing down our good thing of the week, and I have that as a just a treasure. Um, of course, for the little ones who can hardly remember the day before, their good thing is usually mass and dinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just happened that day. <laughs> um, but for many, it's been a time of, um, you know, sharing very significant things. And even our married children, if any of us have been in contact with them during the week, we'll say, oh, I think their good thing was, and, and we write that down, too. It's been yeah. very special. And what happens when you are gathered in that relationship that occurs and is really fostered? It, it is so much like what happens in the Eucharist. I mean, it is why, yeah, I think the Lord told us to come and gather together to share. But um, there is one thought that I think is so pertinent, especially for today, Kimberly, mm. that you, you point out in part two of the book is that Jesus acknowledges that concern is proper, but anxiety is sinful. And if the home right now, especially throughout this country, I mean, many, many homes are just racked with anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fear of the future. And of course, we can't say to each other, well, there's there's no, there shouldn't be any concerns on your heart because the concern itself is legitimate. Mm-hmm. We don't know the future. But anxiety is what brings us into sin, where we, where we, in a sense, almost take responsibility for the future and how can I control it. And instead of putting 
our trust in the Lord, we kind of take that control, and of course we're not capable of directing the future. And so then we get just um, caught up in the sin of anxiety. And what comes across very clearly in Proverbs 31 is this woman doesn't know the future, but she knows the one who knows the future. And it's in Christ that we put our trust. I mean, I would have to say I remember words that my grandmother said to my mom, and I've heard my mom say to me, and I feel it in my heart as my children are having children. What kind of world am I giving you? You know, here you're beginning your family, and it's a really tough time to be a new parent, you know? Mm -hmm. And yet, in each of the cases of my grandmother and my mother, and I certainly hope me, there is an expression of faith because the world isn't the same as when I began my family, but God doesn't change. Mm-hmm. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has the power that raised Christ from the dead. It's part of what we talk about in the last chapter, a cha- last two chapters. The power that raised Christ from the dead is the Holy Spirit, and that is the Spirit we receive in baptism. That is the Spirit in which we are sealed in our confirmation. And the power of the Holy Spirit is at work within us. And we can know God is going to work in us and through us. Uh, We don't know what the future holds, but we know Him. Mm -hmm. And that's that's where our peace, that's our source of peace, is the Lord. Absolutely. And uh, as we uh, move away from the kitchen to the dining room area, let's uh, not forget the power of prayer. I think all of us know grace before meals. If not, look it up and uh, rememorize it. Grace before and after. Uh, Prayer, always a great thing. Right, right. Well, and I think that's what is so important about the next chapter. You know, folks out there listening, you don't have to worry. Kimberly is giving you a lot to do, but she's also giving you the time management skills to be able to make that happen. Mm -hmm. And, of course, part of that time management is you have to you rise early and pray. Right, because um, I think many of us, do the same thing. We have more on our schedule than we can do, and part of what we want to discern is what does God want us to do, because God, God's will and my will, you know, are not always the same, and so we really, I mean, they're not always the same, and they're often not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I have more on my schedule than is humanly possible, and that's not what God has asked me to do. He hasn't asked me to do the humanly impossible. So part of what prayer does in terms of time management is have us bring to him in prayer at the beginning of the day, this is what I think I'm supposed to do today. Lord, help me sort this through. Mm-hmm. Help me to prioritize it. Um, is there something I need to set aside for a different day? Is there, is there something that's not on the schedule yet that I need to do? Uh, and there will be promptings of the Holy Spirit in our lives that... You know, we just feel like, I need to call my mom. I need to follow up with this friend. Um, someone just had a baby. Should I, should I call about offering a meal, even if I can't do it today, but I could fit it in tomorrow, but I'll call today, et cetera. Um, and the time management is it's very important because the moments we have, unlike money, the moments we have, when they pass, they're gone where you can hang on to your money for a while and make a decision today or tomorrow or next week. But this minute, right now, is only happening right now, Mm -hmm. and then it will be gone. And so how can we honor Him uh, in these moments we have? Because time is one of our, our gifts from the Lord. 
And I think you offer some really wonderful advice, too, on how to deal with a sense of failure. Because, uh, I mean, every time I've always tried to set something up, I mean, you ultimately, there are going to be those moments where you're going to fail to accomplish what you've set as priorities for yourself. And you can't fall into that trap. That's a waste of time, in, in essence, isn't it? It is. It is. And, of course, there are always unknowns. Um, and I, I'm sure many jobs have it, but I can definitely say homemaking does. You know, you can have a, a beautiful day set up and a, and a child is ill, and that changes everything. Mm-hmm. You know? And, of course, that ill child needs to take the priority over the things you've scheduled. And, and we want to have that heart of flexibility um, that God can change the plan, and it's, it's not going according to my plan, but it's still going according to plan, mm-hmm. God. I wish we had just hours and hours, but then in a way we do because we are so blessed to be able to have the DVD companions set that goes with Grace and Gifted. I think it's essential that you have, kind of have to have both because I love yes. the book, but I also love you. And, and I just, oh, you are so funny, Kimberly. <laughs> Who does your writing? Do you have like, you have ghost writers that come up with this <laughs> no, stuff? or do <laughs> The Holy Ghost. Yes, really. <laughs> the Holy go. Ghost writer. Because it is so funny, and yet it, it the DVD accompaniment, I mean, it, it, whether you're an individual or if you're with a group of women, which I think is another wonderful way to do this Bible study. Right. Right. And actually, there are questions in the back of the book um, to really facilitate a group. My hope has been that a mix of generations would take this Bible study on, because I, I believe there's a lot of lived wisdom in, in older Catholic women um, that do, they don't even know exactly how to express it, but when you sit down in a group, you've seen a study t- together, and then you look at the questions, this wisdom just comes, and it's the most wonderful thing for a young mother to hear from an older woman who's been there to just say, it really is okay to just sit and nurse your baby and, and do a crock-pot meal instead of some kind of really special, special meal for, for your family, um, and, and just to help you think through the priorities, because you won't always have a nursing baby. Even if you're a gourmet cook, mm-hmm. you know, just let it go. Or, or maybe if you're blessed with a husband who's a gourmet cook, you, yes, really cheer him on. And <laughs> <laughs> you go, <laughs> Bruce. Go, honey, go. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's... There's, uh, and I think actually there's also that great blessing of older women hearing the younger women, hearing what their needs are, hearing, hearing that heart cry of, I don't know if I'm ever going to sleep again, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and being able to, um, to let them know you're praying for them, to maybe even see a way in which you can offer practical help. Um, I remember being so blessed by a woman who... Um, had a, her older child was the age of my older child, and I just had a new baby, and so she called me up and said, I'm going to the park. Can I take your older child and so you can nap when your baby naps? And it just, it just took, it was like loosening the top lid of a pressure cooker mm-hmm. for me. It just took the pressure off. I slept, it was still only two hours. It wasn't a chunk of six, but I slept the whole two hours my baby slept. And when Michael came back, I was so ready to greet him and so ready to take on the rest of the day with Michael and Gabriel together. And it, it was such a blessing. I think that kind of dynamic happens in small groups. You bet. 
And you do that uh, as well for the individual woman who may just even pick up a copy of Grace and Gifted because in the appendix, I love Appendix D. I actually did this the other day, Kimberly, uh, making a house a home room by room where you actually go into the room and then you make an assessment. And you it is such a practical guide. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I found it really helpful myself. And, and, and even, you know, like once a year going back because you realize okay, we've kind of gotten away from the purpose I thought for this room or um, there's something more. We just put a, a new shelf in today down in our basement that I, I looked around and realized we don't have enough shelf space in this room and we just, just put in a new shelf today that is going to bring greater order to the room and, and, uh, and it's pretty and, you know, it just contributes in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Well, there's so much more here. So I encourage everyone, don't deny yourself grace and gifted, the biblical wisdom for the homemaker's heart. And also, if you haven't used Chosen and Cherished yet, I mean, that is also just an outstanding study. And I could give you the names of a bunch of women all around this area that can attest to what a strong resource it's been for them and how they are loving doing grace and gifted right now, Kimberly. So God bless you. That just thrills my heart. That really does. Absolutely. Been visiting with Kimberly Hahn today. Again, it's Grace and Gifted, Biblical Wisdom for the Homemaker's Heart. And uh, Kimberly, as we wrap up our all-too-brief time here together, any final thoughts or observations, anything you'd like to uh, convey as we wrap up this morning? Well, just that we will really pray for each other. Please realize I have all the same challenges and struggles as any of the homemakers out there. And... um, And let's just really, really lift each other up because in our world's eyes, what we do is not very significant, but we know that it is. We know that we make a difference in the lives of our families every day. And if we can just really keep our focus on the Lord, then all of the small little things we do, the making of the beds and the laundry and the slicing the apples for apple pie or whatever it is, all of that is an offering to Christ. And we need to really pray for each other to be able to do that. Amen Amen to that. I think that the title to chapter one sums it up really well. Priority loving leads to priority living. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Kimberly Hahn, everyone. Yes, the studio audience is so excited. No, you can't have my copy. You have to go get your (laughs) Go for it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It's our pleasure. Kimberly Hahn, uh, graced and gifted, biblical wisdom for the homemaker's heart. Kimberly, we look forward to talking to you again in the future. God bless you, and uh, give our regards to uh, your wonderful husband, Scott. I sure will. Thank you, Bruce.